This morning I want to talk a little bit about the names that we have spoken over us or the names we give to ourselves or even some of the names that people give us. You know, often we are judged by a single mistake that we make and it's remembered for a long time. Maybe you've seen that happen with your friends, which are probably now your ex-friends, or maybe your spouse, which is probably now your ex-spouse. I've seen this happen where we get judged for one mistake so many times in marriages, in families. It's happened to me as a pastor. In fact, even as a dad, it's happened to me just this week um, around the dining table, around dinner time. Somehow we got to this conversation. My kids reminded me, hey, Dad, do you remember that time you put petrol in our brand new diesel car? Yep, I remember that. Thanks for reminding me about that. That was many years ago. Or how about... Dad, do you remember that time we were at Planet Shakers Conference and you left the headlights on on the same car? Yeah, thanks once again for reminding me of my failures. Or sometimes the tension is off me and goes, Hey, Mum, do you remember that time when you put custard powder into our hamburgers? Uh, yes, all those three things happen and the answer is no. Hamburgers don't taste any better with custard powder. And so some of these mistakes haunt us for the rest of our lives. And some of those have just been funny ones. But sometimes the mistakes we have and what people think of them and people remember us for, we carry with us for a long time. Sometimes people just can't get over our mistakes. And especially in our socially connected society, our mistakes can easily be put on social media and, and bouncing around the internet for a very long time. And so the thing is, we are too easily for remembered for our failures, but not our wins. Uh, David in the Bible, he's. Uh, do you remember him as the great king of Israel, or do you the man after God's own heart, or do you remember David as the the man who committed sin with Bathsheba? Maybe Jacob, the father of of the twelve tribes of Israel. Do you remember him for for his legacy that he left, or do you remember Jacob as the as the twin who stole his birthright? from his brother other there's plenty of other bible characters the apostle peter do you remember peter as the one who walked on water or do you remember peter as the one who betrayed jesus three times and so this morning we can i want to look at one of the character in our bible we're in this series between the resurrection and the return and my character appears in this space and i think he gets a bit of a bad rap and so we're going to start in john chapter 20 and so we're looking at the last 40 days of Jesus' life between the resurrection and the return. We're going to look at who he talked to. And we started this two weeks ago, John chapter 20, verse 19. Uh, that Sunday evening, which is Easter Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. We saw how the first disciples were wrestling with all sorts of fears after the crucifixion. Uncertainty, fear, they were, the Jewish leaders who had killed Jesus, they're probably trying to kill them too. They were hoping for the best, but they were fearing for the worst. Their emotions were in a spin. And we saw a couple of weeks ago that into that space, Jesus simply appears. Bam! He turns up and he speaks peace and he speaks joy and he restores to the disciples a sense of purpose and mission to change the world. Now, as we continue the story, in a moment, we're going to meet our character for today. Now, this guy gets a really, really, really bad rap. 
and uh, it shows how easily we can be wrongly judged and how the names that are declared over us go for many, many years. And as we look at this man's encounter with Jesus, perhaps we might just see a mirror of our own lives. I'm sure you've guessed his name already. His name was Bob. No, it wasn't. It was Thomas. Now, what do you remember about Thomas? In fact, you know, there's, there's three conversations uh, that are recorded between Jesus and Thomas. Uh, the one of the most of us already know, the one we're going to be talking about, is that old doubting Thomas thing. What about the other two conversations? Do you remember them? You know, to be honest, I had to, I had to re- reread the accounts in the Gospels to go, hey, that's right, that was Thomas. And so, so as we look at the story of Thomas, I'm hopefully wanting to show you that Jesus, that Thomas was one of Jesus's most loyal disciples. But unfortunately, he is remembered for the thing that we typically remember him as being the doubting Thomas. And so, I want to ask you or, or see if you can do this. Can you? Give Thomas a fresh start today. Can you delete from your mind the fact that, yeah, he might have doubted Jesus' resurrection? Can you can you forget that that you've probably viewed Thomas as the, the weak disciple who, who who doubted all the time? Can you can you forget the fact that you probably think that Jesus rebukes Thomas for his lack of faith? Can we can we get rid of all that from our minds and, and start with a blank canvas? And repaint a picture of who, who Thomas really was, because I believe if we can forget all of those other our preconceived ideas, that we might discover a Thomas that was very different to what you are typically aware of. And so there's three scenes with Thomas, three different conversations that he has. And firstly, the first one, you you'll, you will find Thomas in all four of the Gospels. Uh, he is typically listed uh, with all the eleven disciples when Matthew, Mark, and Luke. To describe and list all the the names of the disciples that that Bob sung so well this disciple song Thomas is in that space but the only gospel that we actually get to know Thomas is the gospel of John three scenes he has three different scenes three different lines and John never calls Thomas the doubter in fact John calls Thomas the twin and the first passage is in John chapter 11. You can grab your Bibles. You can, if you're using our church online, our online church platform, there is a Bible tab you can open up to look up this verse, or um, it will probably be down the bottom of the screen for you anyway. But John chapter 11, verse, uh, the context to this is Jesus is in the temple at Jerusalem. And this is just before the story of Lazarus, you know, the guy that Jesus rose from the dead. So Jesus is at the temple. Uh, and the religious people were about to stone him to death. They were about to kill Jesus because he, what they thought he was claiming to be God. And so they tried to arrest him, but he escaped. And in John chapter 11, then we have the Lazarus story where Lazarus dies and his sister Mary Martha says, Jesus, come, your friend is sick. And anyway, so in John chapter 11, verse 7, we're starting. This is um, here, uh, verse 7. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going to go there again? And we go down to verse 16. Thomas, here he is, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go to and die with Jesus. Now, some commentators would uh, say that Thomas was a pessimist or that he was a realist. 
that, that Thomas was always looking for the worst case scenario. But I don't think this is what John, who wrote the gospel that bears his name, inspired by the Holy Spirit, I don't think that's what the Holy Spirit via John is trying to have us learn about Thomas. As I read this account about Thomas, the first thing I learn is he doesn't seem to be a doubter. Uh, Jesus says he's going to go back to Judea. Uh, the disciples are saying, well, you know, they tried to kill you last time. But Thomas is going, you know what? I'm with Jesus. I want to go with him. Even if that means me laying down my life for him. I, I, I don't see any doubting coming through Thomas. I don't see him being a pessimist there. I don't see Thomas being weak or inferior in any way. Rather, in this passage, I see Thomas's great love and affection for Jesus. I see Thomas saying, "Let hey guys, if Jesus is going to go there, let's go too. And with that, even if we have to die for him. You know, if that's what following Jesus is all about, you know, guys, to the 11 disciples, you know, guys, if this is what following Jesus is, I'm up for it. If following Jesus is going to cost me something, you know what, that's a price I'm willing to pay. He says, come on, guys, if Jesus is worth living for, we've given three years of our life to be following and learning and living with Jesus. If he's worth living for, surely he's worth dying for. What a great story of Thomas. It's certainly not a doubter here. And as you read the story, he must have set an example because Jesus goes back to Judea and all the other disciples tag along with them. You know, I want to be that kind of follower. I want, to be, I want to be a little bit more like Thomas, that, that I may never be asked to lay down my life for Jesus. But I, but I have been and I will be asked to lay down many more things for Jesus. Uh, lay down things like uh, convenience. Lay down things like my resources or my time or my thoughts or my agendas or, or my preconceived ideas about things or people. Sometimes I've found for me to be a follower of Jesus, it requires me to lay down things, lay down my agenda, my plans. And if following Jesus is, co- is, is, is going to cost me something, well, that's a price I'm willing to pay. And I, I pray that for, for those of you that are watching that are followers of Jesus, I pray that you are willing to pay the price, whatever that is. If that means uh, speaking up when you just speak up or, or not speaking when you want to speak, laying aside your own agenda, if, that means, if that's what it costs to follow Jesus, I want to, I want to champion you and say, well done. That's great. So, Lord, I pray that you help me be a little bit more like Thomas. Help me to be willing to, to, to live for you, but also die for you, to lay down my stuff for you. So that's, that's the first scene of Thomas in John chapter 11. He was willing to pay the price. The second scene is uh, going to be found in John chapter 14. And so he was willing to get uncomfortable. So I'll set the scene again. Uh, the scene is uh, in the, the Last Supper. Uh, Jesus has, or Judas has just left the table, and Jesus has just told his disciples, uh, you know, I'm going to be dying. And Peter goes, no way, you're not going to die. You know, I'm, I'm going to be with you, and I'll never, never betray you, all that type of jazz. And Jesus says the thing, you know, Peter, uh, this night uh, the rooster will crow. You'd have denied me three times before the rooster crows. And so that's the scene of this passage in John chapter 14. So Jesus has told them he's going to be dying. And so John 14 verse 1, Jesus says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, I would, have, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? 
When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you'll always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I'm going. Now, Thomas was about to ask a question that everyone else was afraid to ask. Now, can you remember maybe you've been at school at, at some stage in your life? Maybe it was uh, maybe it was three weeks, four weeks, five weeks ago for our, our school kids. Uh, but for some of us, maybe it was decades ago. But can you remember school or TAFE or university or a situation or a Bible study class or whatever it is where, where the teacher said something and and there, it was a hanging moment where the, you didn't understand the question and no one else did and no one put their hand up to ask the question. You know, everyone is nodding and agreeing, yes, that's that's right, I, mm, I agree, you know. But everyone's thinking, oh man, what on earth is that teacher? And we love you teachers, but what on earth are they talking? Have you ever been there? I've been there. In fact, you're probably there right now while you're listening to this message saying, Mark, you're talking to me right now. I've got no idea what you're saying. Well, well, Thomas was in this situation where Jesus said something and everyone else was quiet and, and, and Thomas was prepared to speak up. And say something that no one else seemed to be able to speak up for. Thomas said, "No, Lord, hang on a sec. We don't. We we don't know, Lord. We don't know the way you are going." Verse five. In fact, we have no idea where you are going. So how can we know the way? Jesus, we have no idea what you're talking about. See, Thomas was very willing to stand up in a crowd. He's very willing to get uncomfortable, to ask an uncomfortable question. And in that, yeah, he showed leadership. We've seen Thomas already showing leadership. He showed his commitment and love for Jesus. Thomas has already showed his faith. But here we discover that, that, that faith, and I've discovered this in my Christian journey, the more faith I have doesn't mean I have less questions. The more faith we have doesn't mean we have less questions. And I've also discovered that when I have questions, Jesus is okay with my questions. He's okay with the big questions I have. You know, he's okay with the questions like, well, why do bad things happen to good people? Jesus is okay with the question. Jesus is also okay with our really small question. You know, why on earth are they mosquitoes? Nah, I don't know. Spiders, snakes. I was going to say cats, but I decided not to because many of you love cats. And so Jesus doesn't rebuke Thomas for the questions that he has. In fact, Jesus doesn't say, Thomas, weren't you listening? Do you, do you have no idea? Jesus didn't say that. Jesus lovingly and patiently, like a good teacher, like many of our teachers are so patient and loving and kind, Thomas helps, or Jesus helps Thomas to learn something about who Jesus really was. And so Jesus uses, this is really important because Jesus uses Thomas's doubts. Jesus uses Thomas's questions as an opportunity to reveal something really powerful. In John chapter 14, verse 6, we find one of the greatest declarations that Jesus makes. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus, Jesus is telling Thomas. Thomas asked a question that no one else was prepared to ask. And Jesus reveals something to Thomas that he would never have revealed if Thomas didn't ask the question. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Thomas was not trying to pretend that he had it all together. Thomas wasn't sitting in the classroom with the other disciples thinking, hmm, yes, Jesus, we know what you're talking about. Jesus, Thomas was prepared to stand up, to put his hand up and say, hang on, Jesus, I don't understand. I don't get this. I'm, uh, 
can you please explain? And so this is a wonderful thing we learn about Thomas. And I, I pray that the Lord will help me to be more like Thomas. I pray that in the midst of my questions and maybe in the midst of your questions, that we would discover when we take our questions to Jesus, not our questions to everyone else, but take the questions to Jesus, that as we do, that he will reveal something powerful and significant to us. So that's a scene one where Thomas was willing to pay the price. You know, if you've got to die with Jesus, I'll die with Jesus. The scene two is where Jesus, Thomas was willing to get uncomfortable and ask uncomfortable questions and say, Jesus, I really am struggling with what you just said. Please explain it to me. And then we come to scene three, which is the, the, the scene we're sort of focusing on after the resurrection. And John chapter 20, verse 24. One of the 12 disciples, so we've already talked about when Jesus appeared to the other disciples. So one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, Nicknamed the twin was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it until I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound on his side. Now, this is the place where Thomas gets his unfortunate nickname. Now, the news that his disciple friends told him was remarkable news. I mean, 11 or 10 of them, because Judas was no more, but 10 of the disciples saw Jesus and they were telling, 10 of his friends saw Jesus and they were saying, Thomas, Jesus appeared, Jesus turned up and this happened and this happened. And this was truly remarkable news. This was, this really was unbelievable news. And so if this really was true, in Thomas's mind, it, this it, certainly for the other disciples, it, they'd seen Jesus, so it changed everything. But for Thomas, if this really was true, then everything else must change. But but if this really is true, then then why did Jesus meet with the others, but didn't meet with me? If if this really is true, well, maybe maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe this is for. In fact, for eight days, Thomas had to wrestle with the testimony of others, and having no experience of Jesus for himself. Maybe he felt he wasn't good enough. Maybe he felt he wasn't worth it. Maybe he felt, well, Jesus, yeah, he's back, which is great, but he doesn't want to use me. He's forgotten about me. You know, it's, it's really easy to doubt ourselves and to doubt God when things happen. It's so easy to doubt, am I good enough? Am I worthwhile enough? Have I, does, does God, I know he loves me, but does he like me? Maybe Thomas was thinking, maybe I've been fooling myself for, for the last three years. I've been serving Jesus and, and you know, I, 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 I said I'd die with him. And, but then, you know what, I, I left him. I abandoned him. I, I saw him hanging on that tree. I, he was crucified and crushed. And, and maybe Thomas was feeling that Jesus had given up on him, that he wasn't good enough to be a disciple, not good enough to be a follower of Jesus. And so in verse 26, eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Bam! I'm sure he didn't say bam, but it would have just appeared. Peace be with you, he said. You know, I've heard it said that the first time Jesus came was for his disciples. The second time Jesus appeared was just for Thomas. Yeah, Jesus cares about the crowd. He cares about the group. But I'm so reminded and so encouraged that in the midst of a crowd, 
in the midst of a congregation, in the midst of a family, in the midst of, in the midst of many, there is one. There's you and there's me. And Jesus, yeah, he's interested in everyone, but he's also really interested in you and me. And so, so let, what, what's, what's going on here? Let's just, let's not get stuck at Thomas's unbelief. I don't believe that's what John is writing the story about. Uh, John's already shown us in the first two scenes that, that Thomas was a loyal, faithful, bold, unashamed and passionate disciple. That's the Thomas we've already been painted a picture of. And for eight days, this Thomas had to wrestle with unbelief. I, I believe the, the Thomas... The unbelief Thomas had wasn't just in Jesus. I think the unbelief was more so unbelief in himself. For eight days, Thomas had lost faith, not in Jesus, but I think Thomas had lost faith in himself. For eight days, Thomas had hope, but he didn't have faith. For eight days, Thomas was doubting, doubting Thomas, but he was doubting Thomas, not doubting Jesus. And John in this gospel shows that, that even the best of us have our world shaken. And even the best of us, there's times when our faith is tested. Martin Luther would describe his experience as the dark, as the dark night of his soul. And John in his gospel shows us that, that even when people we look up to, the disciples, our pastors, our leaders, our connect group leaders, our parents, the people we look up to, John shows us that, that even those people may go through times of doubt or, 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 or struggle. John shows us that in the times like this, that Jesus comes for people just like that. John reminds me that because Jesus came for Thomas, Jesus will also come for me because you know I've been where Thomas has been and I, I, I've been there more than you could possibly imagine there's times that I've doubted my gifting times I've doubted my calling times I've doubted who God says that I am times I I wonder have I given the last 20 years of my my life for full-time ministers times I've doubted has that been worthwhile has that been have I missed the point have I missed what God has for me there's times when I've, I've done things and I'm, I'm wondering, how the heck could I do that? How the heck could I think that? There's times over my life I've wondered, you know, am I even saved? If I could do that or think that, what's going on inside of me? There's times I've, I've wondered, well, could God ever use me again? And more importantly, would God ever use me again? See, doubt causes me to feel unqualified. Doubt causes me to feel disconnected from God. And this was Thomas. This was Thomas the doubter, not doubting in God, but doubting in Thomas. And, and this was Thomas. This is exactly how he is feeling. And this is what makes the next line that Jesus says to Thomas even more powerful. And he says to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound on my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. See, Jesus came for a broken a shattered, a messed up, a doubting Thomas. And Jesus invites him to come closer and examine his wounds. See, by coming closer to Jesus, and we can do that through prayer, through worship, but just pausing long enough just to understand that he's with us, drawing closer to him. It's through drawing closer to Jesus and by for Thomas, by looking at Jesus' wounds, that he's reminded by his stripes, he is healed. And by, by Thomas 
looking at Jesus' wounds and his stripes, Thomas finds healing for his soul. Jesus invites Thomas to come closer. In coming closer to Jesus, Thomas is reminded of who Jesus is. In coming closer to Jesus, Thomas is reminded of, of what Jesus said, of what Jesus did. And in coming closer to Jesus, Thomas is reminded of who Jesus called him to be. And in this moment of drawing near, in this moment of, of hearing Jesus and responding to the invitation, something dramatic shifts inside of Thomas. In a moment, everything changes for Thomas. His faith is restored. His passion is restored. His energy is restored. His dreams are restored. His love is rekindled. And his vision is expanded. Now, one day in verse 28, his response is, My Lord and my God. What an incredible exclamation. In fact, that exclamation is one of the greatest uh, acclamations, whatever the word is, of Jesus. Lord and God. You know, friends, something happens when we draw near to Jesus. Your faith will flourish and your doubts will be destroyed. Something happens when you step closer and you look at his wounds and gaze upon that, you'd realize that by his wounds, you find healing for your soul and for your body. And something happens as your faith is restored and you start to remember who God's called you to be and, 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 who, he's called, and who he's called you to reach. The question I have for us this morning is, where are you today? Where are you? Are you, are you doubting like Thomas was? Are you doubting what Jesus says about himself? Are you doubting his promises he's declared over you? Are you doubting your value, your worth? Are you not feeling good enough? Are you feeling overwhelmed or overlooked or messed up? Where are you today? I don't know. I've got this camera I'm staring into. I can't see your faces, but I know and I'm praying the Holy Spirit will be speaking to each one of you. Where are you? Do you know where you're at? Maybe if you're like Thomas and you're doubting all sorts of stuff, not about God, maybe about God, but you're doubting stuff all about yourself. Jesus gives us the same invitation he gave Thomas. Jesus says to you and to me today, he says, come closer to me. Come and draw near to me. Come and feel me. Come and experience me. And then Jesus would say to you this morning, regardless of of where you're at or where you've been or what you've said or what people have said over you or what words you've listened to, what words you've spoken, Jesus says to you this morning, don't be faithless any longer. Only believe. And that's my prayer for each one of us this morning, that we won't be faithless any longer, that we would believe. And so I'm going to pray. And so, Lord, I just pray that you'll help us all to be a little bit more like Thomas. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to understand what it is to follow you and be willing to pay whatever price it is you ask. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to to be willing to become uncomfortable and and stand up from the crowd and to ask things of you that no one could dare ask, that you're okay with our questions, you're okay with our brokenness. But Lord, I pray for all of us that we will be willing to bring our stuff to you. We'll bring our brokenness and our anxieties and our fears and our, our unbelief about ourselves. Lord, I just pray that you'll help us to come to you and bring them to you. And as we come face to face with you, that we would believe that we wouldn't be faithless any longer. 
And Lord, I also pray that, and Lord, I just declare even now that the names that, that have been spoken over people, names that have been given to people by others, Lord, I just break them in Jesus, your name. I pray that they won't be known as Doubting Thomas or, or, or Faithless or whatever it is that people have said. I pray that they would hear what you say over them and you say that they are your children, they are loved. And Lord, I pray that you'd, you would, in the same way Thomas had a revelation of you, that they would also, that we would also have a greater revelation that you are our Lord and our God. And Lord, I pray that you'll help us to uh, not be critical and judgmental of others when they go through their doubts and their struggles and their trials. Help us not to label them or to, to judge them, but help us to pray for them. And, and I pray that, that the people we, we reach and talk to, I pray that you'll help us to point them to you. Because when they come to you, they will discover who you are and who they are. And Jesus, I pray that you help us this week to not be faithless, but to believe and believe all that you've said about us and to walk in a way that is worthy of that calling. In your precious name. Amen. Well, God bless you. I pray you have a great day. Hey, if you get a chance, if you're watching online, we've got a Zoom meeting set up. You can There's a link in your chat room. You can go to that and have a chat with one another and share some of the stuff perhaps God has been speaking to you about. God bless. Bye.